Hey everyone, and welcome to The Beautiful Hustle, the podcast that connects the heart to the hustle of the beauty industry. With me is my beautiful friend, Jessica Saunders. Here with the talented Philip Procopio. <laughs> so excited to be here today with you, Phil. Oh my gosh, here we are. Let's do it. It's We're our, doing it. It's our first, ep- I mean, we've done a couple episodes already, but this is our first like topical episode. First we're, solo, where yeah. we're the star of the show. Here it is. I love it. And we're tackling a big one. You know, it's like, let's just come out with a bang. Right out the gate. We're going to talk about it. And that's COVID. I mean, every, I think everyone knows. Just drop the C word. Right. If you don't know, <laughs> we're in a global pandemic right now, in case you have been under a rock for the past, what is it now? Six, seven months? It's more than six months. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, 2020 has been maybe the craziest year in history. I mean, I'm, I mean, we didn't live through the Black Plague. Or... Okay, but I did see the best meme that was like, I understand why in the Black Plague all of the artwork oh, was yeah. fat women lounging around with no bras drinking wine. And I like get it. A boob out. It's like, yeah. That's, that's me that's, in COVID. That's where we're all out. <laughs> I love it. Well, COVID impacts everyone so different, you know, I think that that's kind of one of the hard things is everyone's experience is so unique. It's not Mm -hmm. an umbrella experience. So you decided to be a crazy guy (laughs) and change careers and move to Mm -hmm. a new city, Mm -hmm. all midst of a quarantine. Yeah. I mean, I would not have planned it and I do not suggest that for anyone. Uh, if you're or yearning for a change right now, maybe just uh, change your haircut if you can get into a salon. <laughs> if you but, can get in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're not in California right now. Um, so yeah, at the beginning of this year, I will probably for a year now, I've been craving change. Um, I set out in this industry to really want to grow and constantly grow. And so I wanted to change living in a small town. I was managing a salon, a really amazing salon. Like they are still my family. I love them dearly, but I needed a change in my personal life too. And so, um, just by happenstance, a position opened on another account that you, uh, work with. And I applied, got the job, moved across the state, which for some people that may not sound crazy, but our state is gigantic. We're in Montana. And so um, started managing a new salon. And I went from a salon where there were three managers. We co-managed with the owner um, to a team where I was the only, I am the only manager um, currently trying to build a leadership team. And I moved smack dab in the middle of quarantine. So Montana was closed for, I think, six weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I moved the fourth week in the middle of it in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, and it actually, I'm not going to say was nice, <laughs> but my original plan was to keep working to the day I needed to move mm-hmm. because I wanted to get training done at my last salon and make sure everything I was overseeing was taken care of. And then everything got shut down. So I had three and a half weeks to pack plan, figure things out. So that part was actually kind of nice. Um, but trying to, you know, do apartment tours yeah. in a new city was not so great. Um, coming to a team, I couldn't meet them for the first two weeks. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, what was it like? Because you had worked with the your previous team for 
10, 13 years, 13, 13 years. years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what was that like with an immediate goodbye? Because yeah, you had planned, they Mm -hmm. knew this was happening and this had been a transitional thing. However, we all had to go home and quarantine unexpectedly. So what was that like saying goodbye to a team that you couldn't, you know, work with the way you had Mm -hmm. planned and then also meeting and introducing yourself to a new team when you couldn't connect with them physically? It was really hard at first and still kind of is because I still haven't gotten to say goodbye to everyone. Um, I still haven't seen everyone before I let like that one last time. Um, you know, we wanted of course to do a goodbye dinner party or something. We didn't Mm -hmm. get to do that. I didn't get to see a lot of people before I left town, not just at work, but other friends. Um, so that was really hard. And then it was the Jimmy Jones delivery guy, right? (laughs) No, legit. I am. I am still, I've been gone for four months now and I'm still probably their number one customer in that city. I love it. Did you know one time um, the Jimmy John's guy showed up at Studio Montage, my last salon, and he was like, is Phil here? (laughs) And they were like, he's with someone right now. And they said, can you give this to him? And they brought it back. And it was a gift (laughs) card for being such a good (laughs) customer. And I was like, I have never felt so fat in my life <laughs> than when a sandwich company gives you a gift card for being such a good customer. <laughs> it's so good. So I also miss Jimmy John's. <laughs> um, also, this episode is not sponsored by Jimmy John's. <laughs> yeah, for the record. But Jimmy John's, if you... We're if, open to we're it. We're open to I'm it. I'll, I'll just take a sandwich for free. <laughs> oh, no. I've already used my gift card. <laughs> But yeah, it was terrifying coming into a new team. I didn't know. I knew a couple people just through um, classes and the network. I mean, we're a big state, but we're also kind of a small state because we have a small population. So I knew of. And so that was very terrifying. And to come, I mean, I even remember calling Heather, the owner, and saying, are you sure you want me to come down right now? Like, we're still closed. I don't know what's going to happen. It was kind of this like just jumping in blind. And Mm -hmm. so um, it ended up working out. We scheduled the meeting and I got to meet the whole team. Um, So it ended up working out, but I, it was very scary. I think just like with anything and with COVID right now, there's so much unknown. Mm -hmm. Everything we're doing is unknown. My whole team, there's quite a few people who um, are highly anxious. Mm -hmm. And so there's, and I think everyone's, anxiety and emotions are just heightened right now across the the whole planet. And so there's a lot of people almost daily. I have team members coming to me. What are we going to do about this? You know, mm-hmm. I have a stuffy nose. Should I even come to work right now? It's, it's all so unknown. And so I think it's such a hard time for owners and managers and leaders right now to remain confident and move forward when, I don't even know what's going to happen next. Yeah. I can't go to my team and say, we're going to be fine. We're not going to close down. This whole thing's going to pass over here soon. And we're all going to go back to normal. We get to take off our masks soon. I can't say any of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm scared. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And so that's the hard part as a leader is I've always, I think one of my I think one of my best qualities as a leader is my confidence. Mm -hmm. Everything I do, I go in full force with confidence. And for one of the first times it's, there's almost no confidence right now. 
And so it's one of those, how do I lead from a place of security and get my team to be confident when I don't even know what's going to happen? So what are you doing? How how have you um, kind of been able to be that voice of reason, that kind of comforting spot, that comforting office to go to when you truly don't know what to tell people? Like as a Mm -hmm. leader, how have you evolved the way that you kind of... um, put peace in people's hearts that it is going to be okay, even though you don't know that, but it is going to be okay. It is. And so for me, one of the things I'm always going to be working on, I have worked on for the past, you know, I'm 38, 38 years are my emotions. Mm -hmm. I never thought I was an emotional person, but over the last few years I've learned I'm a very emotional person (laughs) and I have very large (laughs) mood swings. So, um, Getting my emotions under control and really leading from a place of, um, I, I tell my team when they come to me and they're scared, I say, okay, we need to make decisions based on wisdom, not based off of fear. Mm-hmm. And while that's very hard for me too, because I sometimes want to curl up and like, I don't feel good. So should I go in? Am I going to pass this on? Am I, am I going to have team members in my salon tomorrow even working? <clears throat> So I say we have to lead from a place of wisdom. We have to use mm-hmm. wisdom in our decisions and not jump to conclusions. So let's look at the facts. Right now, um, for example, I had a um, uh, an employee whose boyfriend had to be tested for COVID. And she came to me and she was very worried. She's like, I'm not comfortable coming in to work. I feel fine, but I don't want to be the cause of anything for the business. I don't want to be the start of something. And I said, I totally understand. I think that's that's one thing I've had to learn over the years and leaders could really to help lead more confidently is just listen. Mm-hmm. People want to be heard. Everyone's scared and they don't want to be dismissed as you're being crazy because they're not. Everyone is valid in those fears. And so I told her, I said, you know, I totally get that. And I know your heart and I know you would never want that for our business, for yourself, for your team. But we have to make decisions based off of what we know. Right now, he's just sick. It could be the cold. It could be a flu. It could be COVID. But he's got tested. We're waiting for results. So until then, we can't make any decisions. And then if that happens, then we can sit down and make a game plan. Mm -hmm. But until then, we can't sit and worry and call off every time, you know, someone has a little cough. And especially with this time of year, you you know, everyone, wherever you live is different, but allergy season, we've got smoke Mm. from the fires. Like there are so many contributing factors right now to why somebody might not feel their best. Yes. Um, and I get that, that fear of mm-hmm. like the knee jerk reaction of what if it is COVID and I don't want to be responsible for contributing to the spread of it. Yeah. Um, it, it's hard to be that voice of reason, yeah. but as the leader, I mean, that's really what you're there for. That's what they need. Yeah. It was, it's hard. Cause I mean, I saw fear in her eyes mm-hmm. and that's the last thing I want to see from a team member. And so we made that decision. She kept coming to work and thank God his results came back negative and everything's oh, good. fine. Good, good. Um, but again, we, we just have to make those decisions from wisdom, from logic and reason and try and not let her get emotions to take the best of us. I think we have to acknowledge our emotions and say, yes, this is where I'm at. I am scared or I am very anxious about this or I'm very nervous. And we recognize that and we use that as motivation to lean into reason 
mm-hmm. and then stay calm. And then if anything happens, then we have a game plan ready to go for that. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a create, I mean, everyone's quarantine COVID experience is different. Yeah. Now you come from the other side, corporate life. You're a corporate employee of Estee Lauder and you are used to traveling and seeing all your accounts every single day. I mean, you're one of the most, like me, probably one of the most extroverted people. We love being <laughs> around people. Yes. Um, the thought of living in California, New York, Florida, where they've been in oh quarantine for months, I can't even imagine. But you had to go into quarantine and work from home with a kid. And I'm still home still, with still a home. kid. Yeah. And he's <laughs> almost three. Oh, my gosh, Phil. Check yourself. It's because he's big physically. <laughs> he's 20 months old. Oh. He's not even two. <laughs> but he's the size of like a four-year-old. So I don't blame your confusion. He's a big kid. I mean, Trent, her husband is, he's like, what, 6'4"? Yeah, he's 6'4". Yeah, he's a big guy. Yeah. And so... Like father, like son. Yeah. No, but yeah, I don't so, blame you for that. Mis- <laughs> mis-aged gap. No, it's all good. So you're at home with your kid, yeah. super extroverted. Like I saw this meme first time, like first part of quarantine that was like, everyone don't forget to check on your introverted or extroverted friends. Yeah. And I'm like, that's me. Yeah, totally. So what was that like for you? You know, I have to be totally honest with you. Um, at first, I was so happy. Um, because I have truly traveled Tuesday through Friday every single week for the last 11 years of my life. Wow. So there has never, even the entire time I've been with my husband, we've been together for seven, almost eight years. Um, we've never had a time together where I'm not traveling. And then the only time I have been home for an extended period of time was when I was on maternity leave. So my baby was so young then that everything was kind of consumed with keeping him alive. Um, and so, yeah, which was real talk. Um, so now when quarantine hits, it, it kind of broke my heart for a moment because I didn't realize how much of my baby's life I was missing out on. There were so many little quirks and little things that he did that I had never seen before. And I'm a super hands-on mom. Like when I'm home, it's, I'm, I'm all in. Um, I had just been traveling that much that I didn't know what I didn't know. So the first feeling I felt was like, this is too good to be true that I get to keep my job because I'm very passionate about my career. You know, I, I pride myself on my success at work, but, um, I was really happy. It it Mm. felt like maternity leave again. And I was so happy for that. That wore off quickly. (laughs) How long did that last? (laughs) Don't worry. That wore off quickly. That was like two weeks. Um, And then, you know, I truly went through what I would assume or what I experienced, like the five stages of grief. You know, the very first thing that kicked in for me was kind of that denial where I truly thought this is not going to be 30 Mm -hmm. days. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, give it two weeks and then everyone will get reasonable and we'll all put masks on, wash our hands and go back to work. I told my my last team that Mm -hmm. when we first went into quarantine, I was like, you guys, we're good. It's going to be two weeks. They say 14 days and it's going to be flushed out. Yeah, it's fine. Everybody just zip it up for two weeks and then we can all go back to normal, which seven months later, here we are. It clearly did not happen. I really thought that I genuinely thought we were going to be done with this by beginning of June at the latest. Yeah. When we first, in March. We had family vacations booked to go to the Bahamas in July. We were like ready to board a plane. Yeah. Yeah. And it still has not and will not be happening. No, no, 
Yeah. So after that kind of denial phase, um, I, I quickly moved into the anger. Um, <laughs> and the anger part really came from a personal fear of what am I going to do if my accounts go out of business? Because without them, I don't have businesses to develop. Right alongside that feeling in the same chamber of my heart is I know and love these people for 11 years. Like I know their kids. I know their stories. And I couldn't, my heart was breaking for the situations they were in and the potential of them losing, losing their business or something being at risk was also really fearful for me. So I had a lot of anger for um, the spread of this and for us not getting ahead of it and things not happening quicker. And then, um, you know, I quickly moved into bargaining, which, you know, I'm just riding that wave of grief um, where I'm like, all right, cool. At this point, we were doing curbside pickup for product. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, what if they drive up, stick their head out the window, we slap some color on, they go home, I watch that. <laughs> like, I'm trying to, like, bargain with it. Yeah. Like, there has to be a way for me to create gen- generate some income for these people um, just because I, there's so much on the line for these small business owners. Mm. Um, and then the piece that I think I spent the most amount of time in was the depression, to mm. be totally honest with you. And... um there were a lot of days of no showers, um, leggings, um, with a blazer over the top. Cause I live my life on zoom. So I would have like <laughs> Christmas sweatpants on the bottom, a blazer on top. Um, and oh, it's yeah. a good thing you can't smell over zoom because I was not on top of things eating really shitty foods. Um, not mm-hmm. drinking enough water, no exercise. Cause I'm scared to go. it's, we live in Montana again. It's winter. I can't go outside. It was just like the perfect mm-hmm. storm for deep depression. Yeah. And I totally slipped into my little home office of sadness, Um, and at that point, you know, I'm not an effective leader. If people call me devastated about potentially losing their business and I'm in this deep, sad depression because I'm not doing self-care. So, you know, that's when I had to kind of shift and I, I did feel a specific day where I shifted into that acceptance and I, Mm. you know, I really truly had to make some decisions to contribute to my happiness. Um, and for me, some of those shifts looked like I have control over – out of all the decisions I make, there are more things I have control over than things I don't have control over. I mean, that's just good advice for life in general. It, totally. And it's like when I'm feeling this way, it is a result of the choices I'm making all day, every day. So if I want tomorrow to feel different, I can't repeat today's behaviors. Yeah. I can't show up tomorrow with the same mentality and expect a different result. Like it, it, that's just not how this works. So for me, the things that really made a shift was um, streamlining my thoughts. And what I mean by that is when I was working from home, again, I didn't have practice in it. I, it, that's not a skill set I was good at. I am extroverted. I'm really enjoy connecting with people. So that was my strength. So once they took that away from me, my ability to physically connect and engage with people, and I had this virtual learning curve that I had to go through. On top of that, I'm at home with a toddler. On top of that, I'm depressed because I'm sad. I'm not taking care of myself with wellness. It was just, honestly, again, the perfect storm for Mm -hmm. creating that depression. And so I had to look at it and figure out what things do I have control over. And the first thing I have control over is the way I choose to go about things. So yes, I have to work in my office all day. And yes, I have to be on Zoom. I can do things in the morning, get up, take a shower, get dressed. 
I'm telling you, the power of pants with buttons, <laughs> I, I mean, it, it definitely made a difference. And so take a shower, get dressed, feel confident with, you know, what it is that I'm, the way I'm carrying myself throughout the day. And then I implemented a block schedule planning mm-hmm. um, because I was multitasking so much that I wasn't successful in any area. Mm. I would overhear my child playing with my mom, my grandma, or his grandma, my mom babysits him. Um, and I would overhear that. So part of my brain was there. Um, and then I would be on Zoom teaching. Part of my brain was there. And then my phone would be going off with a salon owner calling me worried about their business. So part of my brain was there. So I think about it like if I have one battery charger that's my brain and I'm like diluting all of my battery battery life through these three different categories. So nothing is in full power. Mm-hmm. Nothing is all of the chambers are burning at the same time. So block scheduling, what that did is it allowed me to segment time for the baby where I don't answer my phone, where I don't check my emails. I don't schedule things on Zoom. I don't pretend I'm good at multitasking. <laughs> um, I would schedule times where I knew I had childcare and I could dedicate myself exclusively to working with my accounts. And then I would reach out to all of my accounts in certain scheduled designated times so that they always knew a predictable time they could hear from me. Mm-hmm. So it really kind of was such a big shift of going from where I have control in my life, I can make such a great impact. And there are very few things that I don't have control over. And I think about that with salons even right now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they may have a lot of limitations, but there are so many more things they can do or we can do than we can't do. Absolutely. Um, And I'm a huge advocate of the 80-20 rule when it comes to anything. And I find a lot of people bitch 80% of the time Mm -hmm. and then 20% of the time like white knuckle it through to try to figure it out. And I challenge people to switch the ratio. Bitch for 20% of the time because it's valid. Your Mm -hmm. feelings are so valid. Um, Everything you're worried about, you're concerned about is extremely valid and it deserves 20% of your energy. But shift 80%, that majority of that time, to solving the problems, to getting to the solutions, being creative, enthusiastic problem solvers, Um, just because the potential is unbelievable when you take all of that bandwidth you have or all that potential charge in the battery and you channel it into something that actually will change the way you do things tomorrow. I mean, that's amazing advice, I think, especially for extroverts or doers or Mm -hmm. those kind of things. I, you know, the past six months we can get in this like block of focusing on what we can't control. We can't control mask mandates. We can't control, uh, how many people can be in our building or how far apart our stations are, what sanitation procedures and how much extra time and Mm -hmm. money is going into those things. So let's focus on what we can do. You know, our salon, we are really focusing, especially during quarantine. Heather is the one that, uh, the owner does all our social media. I mean, she was amazing at social media before, but she ramped it up tenfold, billionfold mm-hmm. during quarantine and was able to, because I think the biggest thing people are lacking right now in quarantine and, and with social distancing are the relationships. So she created these relationships through social media with the community mm-hmm. and we were able to come out with these relationships. And so people knew who we were. And so business for us has been nothing but growth. Now yeah. I know that's not the norm, Um, but we worked really hard to focus on what we can control. We can control, you know, this many people in the business. 
So let's focus on upgrading those people to almost counteract the lack of people we have coming in. Sure. sure. Um, Let's focus on making sure we're selling product and keeping our social media up to date and making sure every single person that sees our social media knows what we're up to and knows that we're wearing masks and Mm -hmm. knows that we're still working hard and we're here for them and, and ready to pamper them and almost provide that respite away from the craziness of the world right now. Yeah, I agree. And when this first started, there were so many conversations I had with different salon owners who said, you know, this is a bummer for sure, but I've always asked for time to just stop and stand still so I could catch up. The problem is people stopped that thought there. You know, not a lot of people that I've been having conversation with that shared that with me then dug so deep into their business to find ways to evolve it and to think differently. Mm -hmm. They just stopped with you know, what a nice time to take a breather. And, you know, you mentioned social media, and I think that's so important. Um, Specifically, if somebody hasn't had a really strong social media leading up to COVID, specifically the quarantine timeframe, like what a rude awakening of how, how um, like prominent of a lifeline that is to your community, to your database of people. And I'm a huge advocate of people aligning with a brand that allows you to a commission to sell online or that still allowed you some type of benefit through that retail process. And then also within our salons, looking at our teams and who do we have on our teams that can be our beauty vloggers, that can be our influencers. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the reality of it is people who are still engaged in beauty, we're at home watching YouTube tutorials, watching TikTok. Yep. Like I do it. Oh, TikTok. Damn you, TikTok. I have I, lost hours I know, of sleep. I know. My brain cells just <laughs> fry. But I have even gone down the rabbit yeah. hole and I have access to any beauty product I want. And I go down the rabbit hole of these YouTube videos and then I get new ideas and I learn things. And telling salons, like, why are we leaving that up to these cute little teenagers, mm. you know, no disrespect, but who are in their room just like having fun yeah. and who are the next generation of this beauty industry. We are the beauty industry right now. Mm-hmm. We need to be the ones who people are seeing that. And, and, you know, if your consumers don't look to you as your expert in you know beauty rituals beauty whatever it might be then you're missing the mark you're missing a huge mark well and i think that's this is accordingly if you don't have it find it well and i think this is i mean we can look at this obviously try and look at this as an opportunity to pivot Mm -hmm. you know i think everyone knows culture in general is shifting to this social media driven uh, way of business. You know, most companies are getting away from budgets in print to budgets to social media. Mm -hmm. And there's so much resistance in the beauty community right now to social media. I mean, I'll be honest, when I ran our, our my last team social media, and I was even like, no, I don't want to take appointments through Facebook Messenger. That's stupid. And I can't, I look back and I'm like, how much did we miss out? Because I didn't want to disrupt the, our quote unquote normal, what we've done for how many ever years. And I even was on a forum the other night on Facebook and someone had posted a meme that said like, YouTube is not a beauty school. Yes. And I sat and thought about that. And my knee jerk reaction as a hairstylist by trade is to to be like, yeah, that's stupid. Like don't learn how to color yourself, your own hair at home. But then I thought I was like, man, there, I go to YouTube 
to learn how to do things. All day long. 15 years into my career, I still turn to YouTube. It is one of the best resources for professionals, for non-professionals. Someone on the comments was like, yeah, if Brad Mondo says one more thing. And I was like, but honestly, Brad Mondo has actually done a lot of good for the industry. He's brought a lot of clarification. And because we're stuck in this old school mindset, Mm -hmm. we can't get past that and we can't accept what's new. And so it's time. This is a great opportunity to shift there's so many more resources than there were two years ago to manage social media. And in a time like COVID to be able to stay connected when people can't come in, why wouldn't we use that tool? Why wouldn't we change our our paradigm of what the beauty industry is? It is now social media. Mm -hmm. We cannot rely on print ads. We can't rely on you know, as much referral cards and things like that. I tell my, the new talent staff, you want to build your business fast, get active on social media. Yep. That should be a majority of your time when you are not booked. If not all your time, when you're not booked, Mm -hmm. you should be making hair tutorials. You should be doing product reviews. You should be posting hair pictures. It's, I mean, Several years ago when I first started on Instagram and was trying to build up my following um, to gain clients, I had so many requests every single day because of the stuff I put on social media. Yeah. And it's just this, for any owners or managers out there who are very against social media or making that your main platform, acknowledge your feelings. It's scary. And I think that's where a lot of... um, resistance come from is fear yeah and any in my life and anything i've been resistant to it's probably because i just didn't know it there's ways to learn it get into it because that is what's going to keep our business alive that's what's going to keep our industry alive 80 20 yep spend 20 percent of your time express your frustration of mm-hmm. oh how the industry's changed there's everything online that's all good we acknowledge that and then spend 80% of your time learning social media, yes. getting on board with it, getting successful with it. The other thing I want to say on that is I hear from a lot of new stylists like, oh, I'm embarrassed. I'm scared. What if somebody doesn't like my work? What if I get bad feedback? Anything like that. The number one thing you need to do is just start. If mm-hmm. you think back yeah. to the first posts you made oh. and you look, you're like, oh my word. I actually <laughs> just a couple of weeks ago, like <laughs> scrolled all the way <laughs> down back. to my first social media post. <laughs> I actually wanted to be like known for makeup. So I had like, would do eye looks on myself and I look back at those and I'm like, this is awful. <laughs> I do the same. I'm like, do you own a blending brush? Right. <laughs> Do you know? Like, what yeah. were you doing? Yeah, but, but it's start. You got started. You only can do better when you know better. Yep. And if you never take the first step, you will never, ever, ever yeah. learn those lessons. And the other thing is, again, back to social media, find a mentor and reach out to them. Mm-hmm. People are so kind and generous in this industry with supporting and building other people up that find somebody that you're inspired by and pay them the compliment of sending them a message and say, you know, I'm so inspired by you. I love your work. I would like to learn some lessons from you. Can I pick your brain? Yeah, absolutely. And if you, I think this is another thing I see. I I think this is just 
where our, our culture is at and society in general, especially in the Western world, is we see something like Brad Mondo mm-hmm. or Guy Tang or some of these bigger people who are doing hair and we don't like it or we don't agree with them. So we bitch the whole time mm-hmm. and we talk on them. And I actually was listening to Joe Rogan the other day and he was saying, this is where politics at. Yeah. When you don't like something the other side is saying, you just attack them for that. Instead, let's say, okay, I don't like the way he did that. So I'm going to make my video saying why my way is be- not why I better, like but this. why I do this way. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be in a tear someone else down. And that's, I, th- I mean, side note, not to get political, but. Let's stop tearing each other down. 100%. Let's stop saying, you know, because if I didn't want to wear masks, I'm a murderer. If it, because I want to wear masks, I'm a sheep. Like, let's get away from that. Mm-hmm. This is such a crazy time. I am, I, I am so almost embarrassed for humans right now. Yeah. Because on social media. So it's like this fine line of like social media is probably our saving grace right now, but it's also our death trap. And it's such a fine line to walk those two, but we all can use a little more kindness and we see that. And the next thing you know, there's just all these attacks on Facebook and Instagram. And I'm just like, just mind your own business. I agree. Yeah. If you think you can do better, do better. Then do it. Do it. Pull the trigger, hit the post, hit the button. I agree. I agree. Okay. So COVID. Yeah. I want to hear from you. Your one or two thoughts that um, you're going to do differently as a leader moving out of this. Like, what does the Mm. future look like? Um, Lessons you've learned that will permanently impact the way you either lead or do business. The first thing I would say, which is something um, I've always tried to work on and do better, but communication, being transparent. Um, I'm someone I, my feelings are out there for everyone. I don't hide any of that, but to be transparent in, I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, if someone comes to me and I'm like, I don't know the answer. Let's find out though. Um, staying in communication, making sure everyone knows where, where we're at as leadership in our company, why we make these decisions and being open to conversation about it. I, you know, we've had in the four months that I've been at my new salon, I think I've had like five team meetings because I want to make sure we are in constant communication of what is our next step? Mm-hmm. What are we, what does the next month look like? Because right now it is day by day. Sure. And so every team meeting, I have a COVID section. Here's what's going on. Here's what's changing. Here's what's staying the same. This is why. And the owner and I look at things. We refer to the CDC. We refer to our local health department. She has a background in nursing. I have many medical professionals in my family that I lean on. And so making sure I'm staying in communication with the team to so that there is no uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Um, because right now there, it's all about uncertainty. No one knows what's happening. And so I don't want my team to not only not feel out of control about what's happening with the pandemic, but I don't want them to feel out of control with what's happening in our four walls. Yeah. I want them to be able to come to work and feel confident or as confident as they can be at a time like this and feel good about moving forward. I think the other thing, um, would be to just have fun. Mm-hmm. Just remember that we're everyone's people and everyone's people. Everyone's a person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you know, it, it's, I think, especially for owners, managers, we can get caught up in, oh my God, we have $10,000 in rent, we're behind, you know, or our business is down, what are we going to do to generate revenue? And that stresses us out, which is going to stress the team out, no matter how good you are at hiding your mm-hmm. feelings, which I... um learned a couple of years ago that I am not good at hiding my feelings like I thought I was. Um, Be honest about it, but don't Mm -hmm. let it control. I I try not to let it control me. I Mm want to stay in control, but acknowledge those feelings and, and remember that my team has feelings. Remember that they're scared. They were all in the same boat. And so um, yeah, communication and learn to have fun. We have hangouts. We, I try, you know, we're in a lucky position in Montana to be able to go out to dinner, Mm -hmm. do things outside. Of course we're masked up socially distancing when possible. Um, but still trying to maintain that human level, that relationship that everyone's lacking right now. Those are my two big things. I think everything else will fall into place. Yeah. Like you said, we can only control so much. So let's focus on here and now. Let's make sure the teams are happy and as happy as we can be and as confident as we can be and just move forward. And we're moving forward together. And if you don't want to move forward, you don't want to be on this bus, then it might be time to get off the bus. Mm-hmm. But as for me and my team, we're going to be moving forward and thinking about the future. Yeah. Speaking of which, what does... Where are you at with your, like, are you allowed to travel yet? Are you allowed to go into your accounts? What, what's happening there? Yeah. So when we're recording this, it's the end of September. Um, and I am still not uh, allowed to travel. Okay. So the way my territory is laid out, um, I, demographically, it's really spread out. And so um, out of all of, you know, my 65 accounts that I work with on a monthly basis, I can access three of them. Everyone else is still remotely working together. So realistically, you know, we don't have timelines. Again, this is that thing where it's like there's so much up in the air that I don't know. Yeah. Um, I Realistically, right now we're looking at maybe January, wow. assuming things don't go up. Yeah. You know, if things stay the same or slow down with the spread, then it's looking like January I'll be able to travel again. So again, with that, the the only thing I can do right now is find ways to create new connections with people, find ways to, you know, maintain relationships. Um, And it is getting to the point where I am learning a new way of working. So I even think at this point, once I go back to travel, there'll be a new learning curve. You know, it's just been so long that I haven't traveled that I think that that's going to present itself a new challenge. I do think I will never go back to the way I worked before. I think that um, these lessons I've learned in COVID as far as like how to be more efficient virtually, um, you know, because it is more cost effective and I do get to be home with my family at the end of the day. Um, So you working virtually when possible and taking the time when I am in front of people, when I do travel to do classes and workshops and seminars for people that they are of the utmost level of impact in that all the time I take from people spending away from their families and that I spend away from mine, it's really, really rich and valuable. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't know what my life is going to look like right now. But as of today, I am mastering um, <laughs> Zoom. I am wearing buttons on my pants <laughs> and I am getting ready every day. I'm eating healthy. I'm doing my time blocking. I mean, it's made a big shift into where like I, I can I can totally do this. I got this. Yeah. Well, it's a crazy time. It's, 
it's just uh, uh, so unknown. Yeah. I I think that for me, the biggest things for people to do um, that I've learned in this time working with owners is to know your business. Yeah. Know your business. Know where you make your money. Know where you don't make your money. Um, Honestly, look at that P&L weekly. Every week, because I think going into this, a lot of people, if they were able to pay the bills, they were, they felt fine. Mm -hmm. Um, And then now that the income stops and they're really combing through those expenses, it's like, um, we've got this um, voice recording thing. We've got this um, demand for, you know, this text confirm, like all these Mm -hmm. different subscriptions and things that have costs associated with them. And if you don't know your return on investment for those then you don't know which ones are most valuable to you. So I think that that's the biggest thing for me working with owners right now is while we still aren't back to normal, know your business, know which departments create the most income, know, um, you know, what your cost per service is on everything, what you're generating per square foot. Let's get like, let's go to college on your business. Let's be so savvy on those numbers so that as we pivot, we make really smart, logical decisions that are going to affect the bottom line. And the big thing, cash flow. Yeah. You've got to start putting money aside for this for this reason. Yeah. I mean, no one could have This wasn't predicted. on anyone's radar no, to save for this. But this is... Now we know. Now we know. We have cash set aside in case we have to shut down again. Mm-hmm. We took part mm-hmm. of our EIDL loans and PPE loans, put that aside, um to in case anything happens again if nothing happens we have a healthy or will have a healthy um pillow to fall on if anything happens or an investment for something in the future Mm -hmm. when things do go back to normal but if you have not thought about your cash flow which it is shocking how many salons and spas don't think about that start thinking about that. The best investment you can make right now would be a business coach, a -hmm. finance coach, something like that to get you on that. It may not be a lot. You may not have a huge savings right away in the next year, but you need to get started on that. Yeah. That's actually, that's going to be my number one advice for owners. Yeah. Get on that savings investments, anything you can to prepare for the future. Yeah. My number two biggest piece of advice for them is relationships. Yep, Relationships are what got us through this. I um, am always a proud employee of Estee Lauder companies. Um, but now more than ever, uh, my relationship I have with my parent company, Estee mm-hmm. Lauder companies, it has allowed me so much confidence and peace of mind that they've got my back, not in the sense that like we guarantee you a job. That's never been a guarantee, but like we're doing the best we can. We're communicating to you on every level we can. Um, so whatever distributor you choose to align or choose to work with managing relationships with their, I was on calls with owners all day, every day where they're crying, um, you know, out of fear of what's going to happen to them and their families. And, I am so honored and privileged to be the person that they share that with because when you see somebody and you know somebody in their entirety, it's so much easier for you to be able to um, coach them and guide them to see what success looks like for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just think relationships have mattered so much in this time frame um, that, yeah, they're invaluable. Well, and even for, I'm a huge proponent of, um, not just owners, managers, but every everyone, mental health. And yeah. we can't do this alone. Um, 
we shouldn't do this alone. And so whether you have relationships with other leaders, your team, whatever it is, more than ever right now, we need to really um, nurture those relationships. I agree. Because at the end of the day, that only 20% we talked about, but it's important to be able to have that and to be able to bitch to someone. And we used to call it at at my last salon, we'd be like, okay, I have a bitch buddy. And that's the person I'm going to go to. And I, mine is my best friend, Tiffany. She, I'd go to her and I would say, I just need to vent Mm -hmm. and she'll just listen. And then there are times I'll, or I'll start bitching and she'll be like, okay, do I need to help? Or are you just going to bitch? And I'd be like, no, I need advice or no, I just need to get this off my chest. Yeah. I think that's so important, especially for owners and managers. Sometimes we can feel kind of isolated. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially when it's not a huge leadership team, you can feel very isolated. So to be able to have that and side note, your bitch buddy, our rule was it was always someone at your level or above. You never bitch to someone a level down. Like I would, I do not go to a new talent hairdresser Mm -hmm. and start bitching about another hairdresser. I can only go to someone like you or the owner or another leader because that kind of stuff should stay on that level. Yeah. Just side note. I love it. Anyways. All right. Well, <sighs> Mr. COVID, you have overstayed your welcome. Yes. Um, you can pack your bags and leave now. Please. Um, but I do want to, a little loving shout out to everyone who's weathered this storm. Yeah. Everybody, you know, deserves a big ass hug, a yes. big glass of champagne or whatever your drink of choice is. Um, it does not go unnoticed or unacknowledged mm-hmm. how impactful this time was. And, um, I'm grateful for you, Phil, for being here with me to kind yeah. of talk through this and, um, well, yeah, I mean, and a couple of people were like, why are you starting a podcast in a pandemic? And I'm like, I love the quote. I can't remember who, if not now, when, yes, like when is a good time? It's never going to be a good time. I'll be traveling come January, so the schedule's going to get real tight. So take advantage of the moment. Yeah. Um, And that's all we have today. I love it. So if you guys have any questions, um, please DM us. If you have any, I mean, it could be anything. It could be like, what's your favorite book? Or how are you managing uh, service per service tickets? We'll answer. If you like what you hear today, make sure to hit subscribe. Head on over to Instagram. Give us a follow at the Beautiful Hustle Podcast. And next week, you guys, oh, hold. Bring your seatbelts. If you're driving, <laughs> calm yourself. <laughs> next week, we have, we've already done it, little behind-the-scenes magic of television, radio, podcast. Very rarely is it recorded in order. So we have already recorded the interview with the very infamous Carrie Davis Duffy. She is an incredible businesswoman out of San Diego, California. She owns a series of salons called Gila Root. She's the co-founder of Beauty Backbone. and She's just a magical human. She is so warm and empathetic, but also gets shit done. Boss bitch. Like My she knows what girl. she's doing. So stay tuned in next week. Uh, We're going to be dropping that episode. And in the meantime, stay beautiful and keep hustling. We'll see you guys next week.